Well, hey, this morning, uh, as you know, since we started out, the theme of Advent this week is joy. And so I want to start our message this morning with a really simple question. And the question is this. It's in your notes. And if you didn't get a handout, they're over here on the table. But the question is this. When was the last time you experienced joy? And I'm thinking like real joy, like authentic joy, the deep kind of joy that just you can't help... Um, you can't contain it because it just sort of spills out of you. When's the last time you experienced joy? I think way back, and this was a long, long time ago, way back to when I was a kid, and I can remember some of the greatest joy that I had as a kid was when we would have something in Minnesota called a snow day. Anybody from that part of the world remember what a snow day was, right? For those of you Arizonans and raised in the South folks that, uh, that don't know, they were supposed to drop presents. They'll be back. Um, <laughs> now, for those of you that are Arizona, so where was I? Snow Day, right? Uh, you might not be familiar with this kind of idea here. Um, some places in the world, I know this is hard to believe, that this temperature right here, that you're, we're kind of cold in and we've got fire pits and heaters, in Minnesota, and other northern states, they, you'd be in shorts. Bob, you're, you're look at tough guy right there. Bob's in shorts. Come on, Bob. Yay! Right? This is balmy weather. But in some places in the world, it actually gets colder than this. I know it's hard to believe. Um, and it's not even in the mountains. It gets down and it stays below freezing for months on end. I know this is probably hard for some of you to imagine uh, who are natives to the desert. Um, and, and maybe, you know, I think of some Arizonans probably imagine that if, the temperature got below freezing for months on end, that the, the end of the world would be here. But um, when that happens, these little pieces of white frozen water fall from the sky. And if, if enough of this white stuff accumulates, people go a little nuts. Like, like entire cities will sometimes shut down. Uh, folks get real nervous about driving. Uh, kind of like, you know, when, when we have rain here in Arizona and people yeah. can't drive, right? Okay, imagine that with snow, right? Okay, so now when I grew up uh, in Minnesota, this would happen with some level of frequency a number of times a year, usually in the winter, but sometimes, not just the winter, sometimes in fall or spring. Uh, I remember maybe a couple years ago, you might remember Heidi and I went up in, was it April? April, and there was a blizzard. Yes. We got snowed oh. in, couldn't get back here for church on a Sunday, and in April, right? Was it yeah, April? It was April? Yes, uh, yeah, April. so this happens. This kind of stuff happens. But I remember when I was a kid, I remember the excitement, the joy that radiated out of me when the snow started to come, and we would start waiting and hoping, hoping for, for an announcement on the radio. Um, if you're in Minnesota, all over Minnesota, we would turn it, tune into, anybody remember AM830? WCCO, thank you, Bruce. And we would all listen. The whole state would be listening for you. The, your, your city to be called out as two hours late or canceled for the day. And when the news came that your school and your city had been canceled, we had a what? A snow day, right? Oh, the joy. Joy of this moment. So that's the moment that rises up for me when I think about great joy. And, and if you think about something more current... I mean, I didn't have to go all the way back there to think of the last time I felt joy. <laughs> um, but how about you? This, just maybe even jot it down on your handouts. What was the last time you felt great joy? Um, I thought about this during the pandemic here. We didn't get to see our 
grand, we haven't been able to see our grandsons very much, but I remember getting to hold uh, baby, baby Arlo, our newest grandson. He was a few months old. That was great joy. Or to play with our now two and a half year olds um, and to just play trucks and sit on the floor. That was great joy. Uh, last week, Heidi and I went up to someone loaned us a cabin in Pine and uh, we were feeding the elk right off the deck. They came right up. That was a feeling of great joy. And how about you? Try to locate that joy and just hang on to it for a little while. And if you have a hard time thinking of something, that's all right. You can take your hand out with you and, and spend some more time on it later. Um, because when I think about joy, and, and freely acknowledge, by the way, that joy, actual joy, um, it, it's really, it's hard to come by in 2020, is it not? Anyone? Yes. Is joy hard to find in 2020 right now? I mean, we, we don't, we just have to be real. We don't do like fake little phony, happy sounding Christian cliches here at Hope. Uh, to be honest, joy is in short supply for most of us. And if you're feeling pretty good about, you know, feeling and experiencing joy right now, there are some little trigger words that any one of us could throw at any moment that would disturb most of our joy. You ready? Here's one. Uh, the opposite of joy. If I just say something like COVID, right? right? Uh, the joy level goes down or lockdowns. Um, how about quarantine, right? Does that drop the level of joy or politics right now? Uh, in fact, I would ask for feedback on things that would be joy stealers, but we may never get back to the sermon. So uh, right now, we are prone to a world where we even might wonder, is it even possible to experience joy when there's so much wrong, there's so much ridden with anxiety in our world right now today? But the way the Advent calendar works every year is, in, depending on your tradition, we return to these major themes. And so this week plopped on the calendar long, long ago was the theme of joy, which I think is really ironic. And I think it's a blessing because I think that, that when the year comes around and the calendar comes around, for us to look for joy, especially when things are difficult, can give us a different angle to look for when it comes to themes like joy so I'm grateful that this theme popped up today, and it brings me back to the idea of joy all the way back at the first Christmas where the theme of joy is mentioned over and over and over. It reminds me that like our lives, their lives back then were not easy ones. Um, in fact, for hundreds of years, they had been crying out for God to come and deliver them. Things were very, very dark when Jesus first showed up, yet you still see glimpses of joy all over the Christmas story. I mean, just think through some of the characters uh, around the time of the birth of Jesus, right? You've got all these different characters in the birth of Jesus story. You've got, uh, you've got Mary, obviously, she's an important one. You've got Joseph. Um, we have Elizabeth and, and Zachariah, uh, that is John the Baptist's parents. Um, you've got the Magi, which, again, they didn't come until Jesus was probably one or two years old, somewhere in there, but they're, they're in the story. Um, you got the shepherds, they show up. We, we have the angels who told the shepherds. There's joy all through those. And all of these characters that I mentioned and more respond with joy for what God has done through the birth of Jesus. Um, 
Mary's response. Like she sings a song and, and, and her cousin Elizabeth sings a song and the shepherds, when they hear, they're full of joy. They can't stop telling everybody that they meet. Um, the Magi, they're so full of joy that they travel who knows how many hundreds or thousands of miles to bring their gifts. Um, just think of the manger scene, right? There's one character in the manger scene that's a little mysterious, right? There's the little boy who won't stop banging his drum, pum 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 pum, right? <laughs> Clearly, he's never been a, a, around a newborn baby before, right? Um, some of you laugh. No, really, I know. Okay, yes, there was no little drummer boy in the manger scene. I'm a drummer, so that's a bit of a buzzkill. Um, so there was no little drummer boy, but there were angels. There were angels. And their response was to announce the joy, the great joy. And in the Gospel of Luke, um, in recalling and retelling the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Luke writes in chapter 2, starting in verse 8, he writes this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great, what? Joy for all the people. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Um, a couple years ago, when Heidi, my wife Heidi preached her first sermon ever, it was two years ago, she had the joy week, and she unpacked this whole thing and, and, and showed us so that that the announcement here um, means good news of great joy for all y'all, right? For everybody, right? This is joy for everyone, everywhere. And I think it's so fascinating that the angel uses the word joy. Because I reflect and think about, well, nowadays, when we think about joy, we, we talk a lot about the word joy, or at least we see it kind of everywhere, right? You see joy... Uh, around Christmas time on coffee cups, you see it on t-shirts, it's on the word art, you know, wall decorations, you see it in the yard Christmas decorations that joy is spelled out. Um, joy is a word, especially around Christmas, that gets used a lot in our culture. And so I don't think there's a lot of argument from folks that everybody would probably agree that, that having more joy would be a good thing, right? Whether or not you're a part of a church, I think we could all get behind the idea that joy is good, right? Yeah. right. Amen. But joy is in short supply. See, despite our culture's commitment to this word joy, uh, especially at this time of the year, most of us don't experience a whole lot of joy. Sadly, at Christmas time, whether it's this year or other years, we actually experience more anxiety, more overload, a deeper sense of loneliness, and more emptiness when Christmas is over, which in 2020, that's probably even more heightened, more likely to be true. So thinking about that reminded me of a quote that I heard years ago that has stuck with me. The quote is this, joy, and it's in your handout, joy in this world will always be in spite of something. Joy in this world will always be in spite of something. See, there are the hard realities of life. They are real, they are there, and there is joy. It's both at the same time. See, I think that oftentimes I just 
slip into believing that, that, that I have to wait for conditions to be perfect to experience joy. Like I can't have real joy unless everything sort of hands out, everything's good. But friends, let me tell you what I know from experience, and you know this too, that if you have to wait for conditions to be perfect to experience joy, you will have very little joy. Because joy in this world will always be in spite of something. I mean, again, think back to the conditions of God's people here at the birth of Christ, the people of God on earth. Um, it was a place that they lived. Their, their culture was full of poverty. They were conquered by the Roman Empire. It was pretty awful, but yet they had joy. Even though they knew when Jesus came, it didn't fix all the problems. There's a baby, yet they had joy. Because they knew that joy in this life will always be in spite of something. In spite of something. And, and I just have to add this too. Like, I think it's important to say that joy has to be real joy. Like fake joy won't work. Like fake joy. Have you ever seen that when people are just pretending or faking or just saying the right thing and, and hoping that, you know, by faking it till you make it, which is lying, um, will somehow generate joy? But it never does. It actually leaves us empty because it's syrupy, it's shallow. Um, and that's a good thing to recognize the difference because real joy, my friends, real joy is weighty. Real joy is powerful. Real joy displaces the ache and the weariness of our world because it is more real than fear. Joy is more real than fear. Joy is more real than loss. Joy is more real than ache. See, authentic real joy, not the fake stuff, but authentic real joy is stronger than all the stuff that tries to keep us away from joy. Now, there's an idea that here I'm going to try to get across here, and um, some of you are familiar if you have taken physics before. Uh, there's a basic principle in physics that says if you have two objects, they cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So if two bodies or two objects are trying to occupy the same space at the same time, the denser one or the heavier one or the greater of the two will always win out. It will always displace the other. And the word there, the key word, is displace, okay? Let's see if I can do this without getting feedback. The key word is displace. Now, here is a container of water here. Oh, hold it over this way, says the boss. I mean, my wife. Yes, same. Yes, thank you, Jerry. All right, so here we go. Here is a, a container here of water. Let's, let's say that this water right here, not the one I'm drinking, all right, this water right here is representing all the pain, all the anxiety, all the COVID, all the stress, all the injustice, all the misunderstanding of our year, uh, all the things that would make 2020, you know, not a very good year. It's, it's filling us up and it has poured so much into us over especially the last nine months that we get to the place where we are now overflowing and we feel like we are right at the brim. Does this feel like anybody's emotional tank right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you are yeah. full, you are at the brim, you are where you feel like you can be. This is the fear, this is the anxiety, right? There's not room for much more here. 
the only thing that could come into and be in this or, and displace this would have to be something that's heavier, that's, that's more real, that's more true. And so that's where joy comes in. That's where joy comes in. See, it's going to have to. Don't worry, I won't throw it. Joy is more real. And so all the stuff that looks like we are full, when we let joy come in, it will displace the uncertainty. It will displace the fear. And it doesn't just vanish, right? Some of it is still there. But look at that now. Now there is something more substantial in there. There is something more real. Like it doesn't vanish. All the anxiety and pain don't go away. We still feel pretty full. But did you know that even though we feel like we're full of whatever we're full of, there is something weightier. There is something fuller. There is something more real than the pain and the anxiety and the fear and all the uncertainty. There is potentially joy. Because two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. The weightier one, the more real one, in spiritual terms, the one that is more full of glory can fill and displace the rest of it. So when joy shows up and we allow it to enter in, does it erase the other stuff that we're dealing with? No, it's still there. But now we can see that there is more. There is something truer that we can see more accurately when we allow joy to come. And when the love of God comes in, it will displace all of our fear, all of our anxiety. And God intends for you and I to see, especially at Christmas, that the good news of Christmas is that joy wins out. Joy wins out. Amen? Amen. Joy wins out. And sometimes we say it in faith, which is not... <laughs> not faking it it is acknowledging what is more true and more real now this works in a practical way too um, I think about how fear can be displaced in a good way um, by something joyful and the example that comes to me always is this story of a newly engaged couple this this couple after years of looking for the love of their life they finally found each other and some of you have probably heard me tell this story because the engaged couple that I'm talking about is myself and my bride Heidi. Now, when we got engaged five years and two months ago, yeah, yeah a little bit good. Long. close. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm close. Um, there was joy, there was excitement, there was weightiness in a good way, and it displaced all kinds of things. Uh, in fact, the, the story of the day that I proposed to Heidi, I surprised her with the timing of it. She thought I was going to wait till Thanksgiving, and it was sometime in October. She had no idea that it was coming on the day that it did. In fact, I had pulled a fast one on her and said, hey, after we go for our hike and, uh, and our mountain bike ride, uh, on the way back, let's stop and look at rings. Like, so she had zero clue that it was going to happen that day, right? Um, and so I had this plan, and my plan was... We were going to drive a couple hours north to, to uh, a creek with some beautiful scenery that we were going to hike, I don't know, it's three or four or five miles in. And so we decided, hey, we're not mountain bikers, but we can cover those first few miles a little faster on a bike. The last mile or two was a little more treacherous, so we locked up the bikes. That was the plan. Well, we got on the road, and how many of you know if you're on the 17 and there's an accident, you're screwed, right? <laughs> it's, 
slowed us way, way down. We were way behind. I'm getting nervous thinking, oh man, how is this going to work out? Like my plan for the day was going to be thwarted, but I pressed ahead. We got there and Heidi just wasn't feeling all that good. But neither of us are mountain bikers and somebody had loaned us two nice mountain bikes, but she was a trooper. So we got on the bikes and we started our, our journey. We started our, our travel and went down this very rocky, very bumpy road, almost thrown off our bikes a few times. It was very shaky. Um, Keep in mind again, we were really late in getting started. So instead of being early in the afternoon, now it's mid-afternoon, getting later in the afternoon, and this rocky, bumpy bike ride, she has no idea what's coming. We do the hike in shortly after we finally get to the destination. I propose, it was wonderful, and we were full of joy. We were full of joy. But we had to make the trek back now. In fact, the trek back, because it was so late, we figured out it was going to be in the dark. Again, we're not mountain bikers. It was dark. It was treacherous. There were rocks everywhere. And now we're going to have to make this journey back in the dark. I mean, on the way in, in the daylight, we were stressed out. But on the way back in the dark, it was going to be even more stressful. But since I had popped the question, we were swimming in euphoria and joy and excitement. The excitement, the joy of getting engaged had enveloped us, but so somehow, when we tell this story, we remember every time that somehow that whole hike and then bike ride back in the dark, in the pitch black nights with just our headlamps on to navigate this dangerous rocky trail, we felt like we floated back, right? We, it, it was dangerous, but we were overjoyed. The joy of our new reality, this good news of great joy out outweighed it, it displaced all the stress that we normally would have felt about this treacherous journey in the dark because of the joy of the moment that's how joy can displace something else and we stayed in the joy and we didn't like have an accident or break a, a limb or anything right yeah, nope. so it's wonderful it's wonderful <laughs> so joy can displace fear that way by the way Side note, full disclosure here. To anybody who's gotten married, you already know the truth here. Um, but I've heard for some people, after that joy-filled engagement, then the wedding planning begins. And then, instead of joy, there's you know weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? But before then, joy and celebration. That didn't happen to us. No, no, that didn't happen to us, she says. So it didn't happen to us. But I've heard, just, just fair warning for any of you. Um, all right, so back to joy before I get in trouble. Um, when joy comes along, the idea here is that when joy comes along, real joy, there is a weightiness. Again, look at the bowling ball in the water. It displaces the other stuff. It doesn't just vanish. We in our story had to still ride out in the dark on this dangerous trail, but our joy displaced some of the fear and anxiety. That, that fear lost its power. It was displaced by joy. Now, joy is not just um, something that we look at when something powerful happens. We can only experience joy uh, when we have an engagement or the birth of a child or at a wedding. Um, those are great joyous occasions, but joy can also be experienced in everyday life. See, joy can be found all around us. So I want to get really practical for the last 10-ish uh, minutes here of this message. Um, and this is on your handout if you want to take notes or look at it some more later. Very practical. How can we make space to 
to experience joy in our everyday life. And there's probably a hundred ways to do this, but the three that stood out to me were this. For us to cultivate joy, we need to slow down, we need to pay attention, and we need to practice gratitude. Right? We need to slow down, pay attention, and practice gratitude. So first one, we'll look at real quick here. We need to slow down. So in our world, we run at this insane pace. We move so fast that it is going to be very hard to experience joy if we don't learn to slow down. In fact, it makes me think of the story of Jesus' birth, where the innkeeper in the story of the birth of Jesus had no room for Joseph and, and a very pregnant Mary. There was no room in the inn. Now it's, you know, probably not fair to be too hard on the innkeeper because we know from the story that there's a Roman census taking place People are flooding into the little town of Bethlehem. And the simple reality is that it's full. It's full. There's no more room. It's not like they were being mean to, to baby Jesus, like, no, you can't come in. No, it's just this reality. In fact, it's probably a more dangerous reality, that fullness, because it's a default no. It's like saying, my life is too full. My schedule is too packed. There are too many events to attend, too many gifts to buy, too many family members to rotate around you, sorry, but no. See, many of us have a default no to Jesus because we're too busy, we're too full, we can't even stop to worship and pay attention and pause because there's no vacancy, we got plans. And the problem is when we run at that pace, when we can't slow down, there's not only no room for joy, there's no vacancy, no space to pay attention to Jesus. Um, but when we run that way, we're just not going to experience joy. Like it just, it's not there. It's not going to happen because saying yes to God is something that we do over and over. We have to cultivate space for God in our lives so that we can experience God and make space to be with him. And when we do that, then we make space for joy. I mean, all through the Christmas story, sometimes slowing down, by the way, means saying no to some stuff. You notice all through the Christmas story, there are instances where people had to say no to something in order to say yes to Jesus, right? The shepherds had to leave their sheep in the fields in order to go into Bethlehem to see Jesus. They had to say no to something. The, the magi who come much later, but they visited Jesus. The wise men had to say no to Herod. Like, they had to blatantly disobey Herod, something that was really dangerous to do in that day. But they had to do that so that they could say yes to Jesus, so they could say yes to joy. So the question I have is, what will you say no to in order to make space for joy? Maybe it's thinking through some of the scheduling that happens so that you slow down to make space for Jesus to make space for joy during Christmas. Um, there's some simple ways to do this that kind of go way beyond Christmas. Maybe what you say no to is answering work emails from home so that you can spend more quality time with your family. Maybe that's a place to say no, which is hard to do. So if you're working from home, sealing off those hours so that you're spending time with your family when you're not supposed to be working so you have that quality time. Or, or maybe, Maybe some of us need to say no to having dinner, uh, our phones on the table at dinner so that we can be more present to each other. Maybe that's the no that we need to say to make space for joy. Maybe, maybe, and this could be tricky for some of you that have commutes to work, 
Um, maybe it's saying no to talk radio or news radio on your way to work or wherever you travel so that you can say yes to worship music, to make space for God, to enter in, to have your heart set aside for him. Maybe that's the no that you say to make space for joy. So the first thing, again, we do is we, we slow down. That's the first thing we do. We need to slow down. Then next, let's look at the second one here. We want to pay attention. And this one is fairly simple. We, we, we slow down, we say no to some things, and then we start to pay attention. We pay attention to the ways God is showing up already right around us in our world. We don't have to look for the spectacular thing. We can look for what is right there. Like the shepherds, they were paying attention. Um, it says they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. There they are in the middle of the mundane, everyday, normal thing for them. They are keeping watch, and the angels tell them where to find the baby, so they go find the baby, they pay attention, they go, they are filled with joy. And unlike the innkeeper, who was too busy, they slowed down so that they could pay attention. And friends, the same is true for us. The more attentive it is that we are to what God is doing in the world, the more naturally responsive we will be to joy. In fact, I wrote that in your notes, but I want to say it again. The more attentive I am to what God is doing in the world, the more naturally my response will be joy. Now, we don't get visits from angels too often. I don't know about you, but I don't get a lot of those visits. But, um, but what, how we practice paying attention is just in our day, right? We, we notice the people around us. We notice the people in the community. We notice the sunrise or the sunset or, or like Heidi and I did yesterday, we take a walk and notice the color of the leaves changing in the fall and we just pay attention to that. We notice that the families playing in the park and the sound of the children. We put on our phones, we put our phones down and we, we pay attention, right? We slow down, we pay attention, and then when we pay attention, the third thing we practice, gratitude. I think about the shepherds again here. It says that the shepherds returned after they saw Jesus. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They couldn't contain themselves. It says they told everyone, right? They saw baby Jesus. They're heading home. And, and because of the joy, the gratitude they had for witnessing this newborn king, they were glorifying. They were praising God. They couldn't help but praise and worship God and offer gratitude as they went. I mean, think about this. They had this big, wonderful news, but they are going back to the same jobs. They're going back to the same old sheep. They're going back to the same old night shift, but they have a different lens now that they're seeing through as they go back. They are grateful. They are grateful. Everything didn't change for them. See, like I said earlier, um, that joy will always be in spite of something. Same is true for gratitude. Gratitude in this life will always be in spite of something. Gratitude does something very powerful in our spirits and in our minds. Gratitude can, can shift us to see more, to experience 
joy. When we are grateful, we begin to experience joy. And just a couple of things that I've noticed about practicing gratitude. These might be worth writing down. There's plenty, but here's just a couple. When we slow down, when we pay attention and notice, and then we practice gratitude, it is very helpful to say out loud what you're grateful for. Just say it out loud. And maybe you'll be praying, and you'll say, thank you, God, for it. And you just say it out loud to God. Um, it's part of why singing in worship is powerful, is that we are saying something out loud to God. Uh, it's, it's why when we pray out loud, uh, and maybe somebody else is praying, and we're agreeing with their prayer by saying, yes, amen, yes, right? We are saying out loud and agreeing with somebody, and it does something in us to stir up joy when we enter in with gratitude by saying it out loud. Another thing that's helpful with gratitude, say it out loud, uh, write it down. Write it down. When we write things down, neurologically we see that there are studies that show that it helps us go deeper with something when we write it down. It releases something in us. Um, yesterday, uh, as I was um, trying to take a nap and I just couldn't, I was feeling really down. I was feeling very discouraged, feeling very heavy. I was feeling a little depressed. And I sensed God saying to me, Doug, um, I want you to get, go downstairs and do the very thing you're talking about. Just write down some of the things you're grateful for. And as I went through and started to write down things that I'm grateful for, I went down this list and, and it helped shift my perspective just a little bit, just enough. It shifted my perspective. And one of the things that I began to be grateful for as I was writing this list was the people of hope. And I could see so many of your faces that I was so grateful for. The people who have hung in there, who have, have been a part of this church family, who have stuck with us, who serve so well and love so well. And, and it just shifted something for me. It allowed joy, that gratitude allowed joy to start to seep in. Well, as we start to move toward the end here, uh, back to the Christmas story. Just think again, at Christmas, the good news of great joy arrives in the birth of Jesus. And the intention of Jesus back then and today was that Jesus would come and displace the fear, the doubt, the loneliness, the confusion, the, the cares of this world, the chaos we are in. That he wants to come and displace that and show that he is the source of all joy. But to experience that, friends, this Christmas, to experience any level of joy, I truly believe we're going to have to slow down. We're going to have to pay attention. We're going to have to enter in with gratitude and allow that joy to surface, which is really good news, I think, that joy is possible. In the middle of all this stuff, it's the heart of the good news, which is the good news of great joy. And again, the best part of this good news is what the angels said. It's good news for all people. Like the angels told the shepherds, it's good news of great joy for all the people, all y'all, everyone, everywhere. It's good news for the person who feels like they can't get a break. It's good news for the person who feels like they are just waiting and waiting and waiting. It's good news for the person who's living overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, or fear. It's for the son or daughter whose parents have given them the cold shoulder because of their differing opinions in politics. It is for the parent who's just plain tired. 
It's for the family members who can't gather due to COVID. It's, it's for the couple who has suffered a miscarriage and lives with great grief. It's for the man who feels like he's just living one day to the next without any sense of greater purpose in his life. It's, it's for the tired and the broken. It's for everyone, everywhere. So no matter your situation or circumstance, Friends, you are held by this great, big God who loves you deeply and passionately, and there is unspeakable joy available for you this Christmas. If you look at your handout, there's some questions I would love for you to spend time this week looking at. It's what I've been looking at this weekend. I'm just going to read them here, and then we're going to move toward the, the worship team and singing together. But the questions are this. First one. What is the thing that's been taking up all the space in your head or heart? The thing that's keeping you from entering into the joy that's available? What is that thing? I encourage you to write that down and, and go there this week. What would it look like, the second one, for you to allow the gift of Jesus and all that he brings to penetrate your heart? What would it look for, like for you to enter into joy and let joy displace your fear, displace your anxiety, displace your anger? And the last one is, how will you slow down, pay attention, and practice gratitude this week and this Christmas season? Worship team, if you guys will come. They're going to play a song that I love, uh, Oh Holy Night. And there's a line in this song that seems especially poignant this year. And the line that keeps coming up for me is, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. A weary world. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? A weary world rejoices because there is joy. And I don't know about you guys, but I have felt weary this year. Even if I'm doing well for a little while, it doesn't take much to knock me down. It's the weariness. And our world is weary, isn't it? Yet if we who are followers of Jesus are to believe what Scripture says about the availability of joy then we get to trust that right now, even with the reality check of this pandemic craze 2020 world, we can slow down, pay attention, and experience joy. Joy is available. Joy is available. Friends, it might be 2020, but the same Jesus who brought joy to a weary world over 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus who offers to a weary you and a weary me, he offers us joy. So will you stand as we sing, O Holy Night, and, and can we sing this song with hearts of gratitude for the gift of Jesus? And Jesus, as we come into the song, I just pray that you would release joy into our hearts with gratitude as we sing about the night that you were born. Lord, will you help us to slow down, to pay attention? Will you bring joy to our weary hearts and our weary world? 